Ladies and gentlemen, in today's episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking to a man who is a living legend in Texas barbecue. Hey family, hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. In today's episode of the show, this is super cool. We've got Bill Dumas from Black Iron Smoke, oh, sorry, from Brotherton's Black Iron Barbecue. Black Iron Smokers was a few weeks ago with ADP. Um, okay, so Bill Dumas, fantastically well-known, well, uh, a ton of knowledge pitmaster from Texas and it's going to be great to get him in here very soon. But first, I've got, just got a couple of announcements that I do need to run by you. The first is that winter is well and truly here. We're starting to run low on stocks of our hoodies and beanies. So if you're out by the by the uh, fireside tonight and you're feeling a bit cold, make sure you grab yourself some some hoodies and beanies and let us keep you warm in the uh, in the wee hours. Next, Barbicon is coming. It's the world's first virtual barbecue conference. We're putting it on. Smoking Hot Confessions is putting it on, and we're going to be spending two days dedicated to the world of barbecue and sharing knowledge with all of the well, well, with many of, I don't have time to cover all of the people we've had on the show, but many of the people that we've had on the show. So Saturday, we're going to be looking uh, all at um, cooking barbecue, and Sunday is going to be all about the business of barbecue. So on Saturday, I'm going to be jumping around the country using this technology that we've got that I use to bring you the show. We're going to be jumping around into different pitmasters' backyards and showing you all the different cooking tips and tricks. And then on Sunday, we're going to be jumping into offices, businesses, all that sort of stuff. And we're going to be looking at um, the the money side of barbecue, the business side. So if you've either got a business or you want to get into barbecue business, that's going to be the day for you as well. So make sure you you get on that as quick as you can. Now, if you are just at the beginning of your journey in the barbecue world, we do have a free ebook available for you over on the Smoking Hot Confessions website. It's the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue, and in that, there's everything you need to know to get you up and running in this world of delicious smoky meat. So head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com. A pop-up window is going to appear. You can put your details in that, and we'll shoot that free ebook straight off to your inbox for you. Now, if you're joining us live, I can see in less than two minutes, we've already got almost a dozen people have joined us live for this live podcast recording. So you need to come join us at the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Community on Facebook. It's a Facebook group, and in that group is where we do these live podcast recordings. So it's going to give people an opportunity to drop comments and questions for the guests. So you can see we've got Good Morning from the Sunny Gold Coast. That's my lovely wife just chiming in there for us. And uh, we've got an anonymous person here who says, Hi, Ben and Bree. Morning from Sydney. So we, we, if you're doing that, then you need to make sure that you do hit that link at the top of the post to make sure that you let your uh, let my software see your name and profile picture, so just so we know who we're talking to. So if you'd like to be a part of these live recordings, head on over to Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Community on Facebook join us. We do nothing but talk about barbecue. All the other guff is left at the door. It's very inclusive. Everybody's welcome to come join um, and just enjoy some lovely barbecue chat. Now, if you are watching this video later on on YouTube, make sure you give us a thumbs up, a subscribe, and hit that little notification bell. If you're watching on Facebook, give us a like, a comment, and a share. Make sure you're following us as well. Now, IGTV, they do those cute little love hearts. Give us one of them and give us a follow as well. And if you are listening on a podcasting app, do give us a five-star rating and review, especially if it's Apple Podcasts. They are super helpful for us, and they are um, they help drive us up the charts 
which is great for helping us get our story out there and also helps us get our guests' story out there, which at the end of the day, that's really what it's all about. Okay, so we have Bill Dumas joining us today, which is going to be really cool. Now, he is formerly of Style Switch. He's now with Brotherton's Black Iron Barbecue, and he's a true Texas barbecue legend. He's come out to Australia at least once that I'm aware of. He went over to Perth, and he did a lot of work with, uh, with our good friends, uh, Jules from Jagged, and he's very well known in the circuit, very knowledgeable guy. And this is going to be quite interesting because he did say to me when uh, when we were lining this up, he said, look, you're just going to have to let me go and I'm just going to talk. So I'm not too sure how many questions I'm going to be able to get in. But if you do have some questions for Bill, do put them into the comments and I'll make sure that we put them to him. So I think that's about all you need out of me. Let's get Bill in here. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Bill, it's good to see you, mate. How are you this morning? Man, I'm doing better than the, than the Lord allows, man. Beautiful Texas sunshine out there. We're doing pretty doggone good. How are y'all doing out under Good, mate, good. I'm on the Gold Coast. It's always sunny and beautiful. Well... The summer was uh, w- was quite wet. It's almost always sunny and beautiful. But, mate, um, tell me, what was the last thing that you barbecued for yourself? Well, let's just see. For, for myself or for the restaurant? For myself, uh, I had, for the, uh, let's see here. We did a really nice, good, big, gigantic uh, 30-pound uh, bone-out prime rib uh, on the pit uh, just over some nice, good post oak smoke. Uh, on a good, nice Moberg 500-gallon pit. Uh, pretty classic uh, Central Texas seasoning, kosher salt, and uh, 16-nut black pepper, and let her ride in there because she hit about 130 degrees internal. Man, I mean, to tell you, that was like, wow. Uh, now, <laughs> at, the restaurant today, at the restaurant today, we had about 25 briskets, about 25 racks of pork ribs, uh, four turkey breasts, probably about 20 pounds of sausage against uh, four different varieties, and the list goes on. With that being said, I also made uh, about 120 pounds of jalapeno cheese sausage, 120 pounds of uh, central Texas cock duck sausage, and 10 pounds of maple blueberry sausage. I made all that, and it just came off the bit. Wow, that's heaps. That's so much. How many um how many kilos of meat do you reckon that you smoke in a week, personally? Well, to to coin a phrase, we kill a small farm every day, so <laughs> so it's it, it's quite a bit. Uh, we're usually averaging uh, uh, currently about depending upon caterings and whatnot, we're averaging about twenty four to twenty five briskets a day. And everything else in descending order behind that. The most popular protein, obviously, because we're in Texas, is uh, is brisket. Uh, but it usually falls within what we call the Texas Holy Trinity, which is uh, brisket, uh, pork ribs, and sausage. Everything else is pretty much in descending order behind that. So, yep, pretty pretty good times. And with that being said, the type of equipment that we run on here at the restaurant, uh, at both restaurants. Uh, Liberty Barbecue in Round Rock, Texas, and Brotherton Black Iron Barbecue in Pflugerville, Texas. Uh, both uh, operations run the same types of equipment, which are a three-rack offset bugling. 
Uh, that's a big pit that has a capacity of about 80 briskets if you utilize all three racks. And then for the, that's for the heavy lifting with the briskets and the pork butt. Uh, the smaller custom meats uh, actually perform better and it's more traditional offset. So here at Liberty, we have a 500 gallon uh, propane tank type pit uh, made by Backline Fabrication out of Driven Springs, Texas. And then over at Black Iron Barbecue, our 500 gallon pit is made by the one and only Sonny Moberg. Yeah, so good, man, so good. Now we're we're going to get into uh, into Liberty and uh, and Brotherton in just a little while. Let's jump in the way back machine. Let's let's go back in time. Tell us how did Bill Dumas get into barbecue? Well, that's a long story. I've been in and around this business since I was about eight years old. My grandfather, once he retired, had a side business up in North Texas, and his specialty was split chicken. He barbecued chickens by the hundred and people would come for miles around and get these split chickens and he made his own molasses based barbecue sauce well i was tied to the hip with my grandfather we were real close so i got to spend more time with him than any of the other grandkids so but my grandfather uh looked at me as an eight-year-old kid as free labor you know he's old school We went to business and we got some uh, 
we got some attention from Daniel Vaughn over at Texas Monthly, and that was a good thing. And we made our mark. Uh, that was the high water of uh, kind of the early days in the wild, wild west over in East Austin. We had John Miller down the road, Law Barbecue down the road. There was us, Smoky Denmark, and the list goes on. But as time progressed, and I would say probably in about 2015, I was hired on and, uh, by the crew over at Style Switch, uh, Shane Styles and Lance Kirkpatrick. I got to know those guys over time, and they're really good folks. And I guess I worked over at Style Switch for about four years or so, uh, a little over four years, I reckon, and doing a lot of the heavy lifting over there because, man, we, <laughs> we cranked out some volume over there. And uh, I worked over at Spouse Switch, like I said, for four years. And then uh, you get to know a lot of people in this industry. It's a small, it's a small universe. You know, hell, we're talking, and it, you're all the way down in Australia. So you can imagine how tight the circles are down, or, uh, up in this neck of the woods. So a guy that I got to know uh, back in the smoky Denmark days was a really nice guy by the name of John Brothers. And everybody knows Scott Brother. Uh, <laughs> he's very well in the industry. Uh, he goes out of his way to help folks in the industry. He's just a super guy. Uh, so John's a really good friend of mine, and he was wanting to start a sausage program, whereas uh, making all of the sausages craft, you know, uh, for both of his restaurants. And I started doing that in January of 2020, I guess it was. Uh, January 2020 is when I've been making all the sausages, and I make a lot of them, and they're all just really good. We'll get into that later, but but nonetheless, uh, yeah. So barbecue's me. I don't know if you can tell that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now you you're mentioning um style switch there before. Now we this is actually the second time that that we uh that we we've, we've reached out to each other. I was supposed to come see you in in 2018, but I I got held up in the morning and I just couldn't get out to style switch. But we did drop by the restaurant because we had promised you that we would bring you some beers. Now we did bring the beers out and we dropped we we dropped them at the restaurant and we said these are for Bill. Um Please give them to him. I don't know if you got them. Did you get the beers? Got them. And, man, brother, they were good. I'll tell you you something funny about that, okay? Uh, When I was working at Style Switch, right, I was working a lot of the overnight shift because we were running 24 hours a day, uh, six days a week to keep that engine running. So I was working a lot of the overnight shift. And working the overnight shift, I started taking a lot of video and pictures and I was posting those on the uh, Australian Barbecue Alliance uh, uh, Facebook page back in 2015 is when I started doing it. And so I started doing that, and a lot of, lot of folks from all over Australia, New Zealand, Tasmania started hitting me up. So then I started putting out the word on the street, hey, anybody want to work a shift with me side by side, one to one, you just kind of let me know. Brother, I mean to tell you. I had people from all over Australia. I, <laughs> I could name I'm not going to name drop because I'm not that guy. But I mean to tell you, it was like the Underground Railroad of folks from down under. I, I think the, I think uh, Shane Childs was like, what the world is going on here? But that led to some really good opportunities over in Perth, and so I can't complain. <laughs> 
Yeah, you actually um, ended up coming out to to Perth to work at a festival here, didn't you? Yeah, uh, one of the people, or actually two of the people that came over and, and took me up on my offer to kind of work a shift with me were Jason Lento. Love that guy. And and, and old David Ong of O Ongi. Oh, so Ongi. We, <laughs> we got, so we had a really good day together. We went and we shot a, can, a black powder cannon on my property. And so that was a lot of fun. And, and, and you know, so we got to play with some weapons, and then we went, and then we went and uh, ate barbecue over at Hayes County Barbecue over in San Marcos, and then we went over to Sunny Moberg's shop and fooled around with old Sunny, and then later on that evening, uh, Jason Lento and and and, and Ong, they uh, came up, style switch, and we spent more time together. But that relationship uh, was was what allowed me to go down there in October of 2019. Uh, Jason and his crew with uh, Barbecue Events Australia were holding a huge event at Ascot Racecourse. And so uh, Jason tapped me to uh, cook a VIP dinner, ticketed dinner, uh, at Ascot. And we had a really, really good showing. So it was, it was quite something. Uh, and I was glad to do it. But I'll tell you what. And I don't know if it's like this in all of Australia, but I'll tell you what, those folks over in Western Australia, they are like this place, the same independent spirit, same independent spirit and the same uh, hospitality and the same warmth and kindness. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to single out one person in particular that really helped me out. Actually, two people. Actually, three. <laughs> but one is Lance Rosen. That guy was invaluable to me. He he went out of his way to help me source ingredients. It was awesome. He, he, he took time away from his own event to help. And then the other two uh, are the folks that run the uh, Smoking Bull Barbecue uh, outfit down in Bustleton, right? And then the other one is Joel Romo of uh, JR Smokehouse. JR Smokehouse, so, yep. All of those guys, top-notch people. So... And matter of fact, I know Joel. Let me back up. So I know Joel because Joel did some stodge work and some side work for Evan Leroy uh, over at Friedman's. When Evan Leroy was over at Friedman's back in 2014, Joel was stateside because you know he's actually American. He's from uh, California. He's at, uh, I, I thought he was from Arizona. Uh, Aaron, well, California, Arizona. So okay. he kind of floats back and forth. But anyway, because he likes to surf and all that kind of good stuff. But anyway, uh, Joel and I go way back to my smoky Denmark day because I, I saw that he was over at Greenland and I wanted to hook up with him. And, man, we shared many a beer and many, a, many bites of barbecue in my backyard. Top-notch guy. It's actually funny that you that you bring up JR because um, my my first experience eating commercial barbecue, so like not just stuff that I'd kind of knocked up to get – myself in the backyard my first commercial barbecue experience was eating from jr's food trailer here on the gold coast man and it was great probably right oh it was, it was amazing it was amazing the uh the jalapeno poppers are what sort of sent me spiraling down the the popper rabbit hole oh man and he, he's a super nice guy man I, he, he is so talented he's such such a genuine honest person i just yeah, he's just a really good guy. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, one of the things that that I did want to ask you—you you, you briefly mentioned something before about Central Texas style barbecue. Could you give us a bit of a breakdown of the of the the different regions of Texas barbecue? Because what not a lot of people realize is that there is no just one style of Texas barbecue. There's actually like a a bunch of different ones. Yeah, you're. Um, uh, thank you for asking that because te- Texas is not just Texas. Texas is a state of mind. Right? <laughs> Texas a is a state of state. mind. I like it. Yeah, it's not Texas. It's a state of mind. And, you know, we have the distinction of having once been our own republic, right? Once we gained our independence from Mexico. So we're pretty independent. We're pretty proud. But with that being said, uh, Texas is a very large state. Uh, gosh, I don't, I don't know how to put it in perspective, but it, it's huge. It's every bit as big as Western Australia, that WA, right? So that's pretty, pretty, pretty big, all right? Just in terms of square, talking square miles. So with that being said, with all the different influences and the folks that settled Texas, right, uh, from the beginning, whenever uh, Texas was once owned by Spain and then consequently Mexico, and then it became its own republic, and then so on and so forth, everybody that... Uh, uh, attempted or did settle Texas brought with them their own individual uh, styles, right? The classic style that we're talking about, which is worldwide, which everybody thinks of, is Central Texas barbecue, right? And that is directly derived from the Bavarians that helped settle Texas beginning in the 1840s. Bavarians? Yes. There was quite a bit of political unrest in Bavaria <laughs> uh, beginning in the 1840s. Well, the uh, Spanish and consequently the Mexican crown could not settle this part of Texas. And the reason why they could not settle this part of Texas were two reasons. One, the climate, and two, the Comanche Indians. And that's a fact. The Comanche Indians are the only uh, North American Plains tribe Indians uh, tribe and was never conquered. They came in on their own, and they were on, they were about two things. They were about horses and war. That's it. If you stepped foot into their area, you were a dead man. And this was coming shared, and that's a fact. So, yep. So the Spaniards brought the horses. The Comanches became really good horsemen, and they used that to their advantage. And every other North American tribe got their horses directly through the Comanche. So as a consequence, it was a very hard area to settle. Well, because there was political unrest, uh, Mexico really needed to settle this area to, to hold it and to secure it. So a lot of people came into this uh, neck of the country from places like Tennessee uh, and, more importantly, from Bavaria. And when you go out into the Texas countryside here in, in Central Texas, I can feel I can take you to places right now where they're still speaking Czech. Right? So places like Hallisville, Platonia, uh, Gonzales, uh, Bede, uh, Schulenburg, they're all Czech. And what did they bring with them? Well, they brought with them their butchery skills, their shop and store and, and uh, storekeeping skills and butchery skills. And what is Bavaria known for the different types of worse, right? Ah. Not worse. Uh, and so on and so forth, 
with all that butchery skill and all those sausage skills, i.e. worse, that all came together. Well, they couldn't they couldn't make the product like they could in the old world. It's too, too doggone hot. So they had to improvise. And over time, uh, smoking became a way to preserve the product, right? And over time, the profitability of selling the smoked goods and smoked wares to the, uh, you know, the common man became more profitable than just keeping it as a shop or a butcher shop. So there's still a direct lineage to those traditions in places like Christ Market that's been open since 1900, started out as a store, storefront and butcher shop. Now it's, now it's all the time barbecue market side. Uh, Louis Miller, same thing. Prowse's Meat Market in LaGrange, same thing. So what we're talking about is we're talking about market-style barbecue where you come through a line, you interact with your cutter, everything's done on traditionally more, got the old-style joints on a brick pit, but it's an offset pit, so there are still pits. So it's market-style, you come through line, you interact with your cutter, you get the cuts of meat that are prepared simply and smoked simply and on the tray by the pound, that's market-style, that's Central Texas. You go to East Texas, and it's more—it's more of an African American influence because those are smaller farms and smaller homesteads and the pine thicket. And that actually—that East Texas style is more derived, in my opinion, uh, to the places back east, i.e., Tennessee, Arkansas, things of that nature. Lots of sauces, lots of sugars, lots of sweeteners. Not usually done market style, as I as I described. Then you get out to West Texas, where there's a lack of trees. You may see one tree every 20 miles, and that tree it would be a mesquite tree, right? And those bad boys burn real hot. So what they'll do there, out West Texas traditionally, uh, is burn everything down to coals, and then the meats are prepared simply, usually salt and pepper, just like with the market-style barbecue, and then those are done over direct coals. And then, of course, the dripping of the meat on the hot coals provides flavor. Oh, so a good, good example of that would be uh, Cooper's Barbecue at Lano, Texas. They still do it that. So you have basically uh, several different styles of barbecue in Texas, which are all part of our cultural food history here in Texas. It's all part of our history, and it's, it's, it's cultural. Uh, but anyway, so you have the market style, you have the East Texas style, which is more southeast uh, than anything else, and then you have the West Texas style, which is over direct coals. Yeah, boy. Oh, and one other thing. So uh, there was a fella up in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and his name was Walter Jett. And man, he was a really good Texas storyteller, and kind of like me, I guess. But anyway, his name was Walter Jett. And he could sell beef freezers to Eskimos, but he became uh, L- President LBJ's uh, caterer. And LBJ, as you might be aware, is from the Texas Hill Country, same as me, right down the road in Stonewall, Texas. Well, at the White House, at the part on the Burton Alice, Walter Jetty would hold huge barbecue on the banks of the Burton Alice River with President LBJ. So. That really kind of helped put uh, Texas barbecue on the map, and uh, I kind of credit Walter Jenkins with that. So there's that.
Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, so now let's get into uh, into where you are now and, and, and what you're doing now. But before that, I did just have one quick question. Are you wearing a big boy t-shirt? I did. I was hoping you might. Big boy barbecue t-shirt. There you go. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, awesome. Awesome. So, all right. So let's get into Liberty and, and Brotherton's now. So I, I wasn't aware that you were actually working across two different um, two, two different destinations. So do you do like the, the day shift at one and the night shift at the other? Like, do you do you live on naps? How, how, how are you uh, organizing it all? Well, we're pretty good with that. We have two restaurants in the restaurant group. Uh, Brotherton's Black Iron Barbecue is the flagship. Uh, John Brotherton is the proprietor and uh, operator of both restaurants. Black Iron oh, okay. is the number one. And then the second one is Liberty Barbecue up here in Round Rock. They're only about 12 miles apart. Uh, with that said, we're really blessed to have a really good crew at both restaurants, both front of house and back of house. And, and the folks are trained accordingly, uh, front of house, back of house. And they know exactly what they're doing, much, much, as, much as any other barbecue establishment. Uh, my primary focus right now is uh, I am heading up the sausage production for both restaurants. Uh, currently, I make, let's see here, I make a, all, uh, make a Central Texas hot gut sausage. This is what we're talking for everyday menu, a Central Texas hot gut sausage, which is predominantly beef, right? And then I also make a jalapeno cheese sausage, right? And then I also make a boudin. But it's kind of a, uh, it's not a traditional boudin like you might find in Southeast Louisiana. I use a smoked element. So whereas in Louisiana, they'll boil everything in a big cauldron and cook it down and then introduce the rice with the trinity. I, I don't do that. I kind of deconstruct it and uh, put it all together. So I use, the, I use smoked pork shoulder uh, in, in, in my boudin. And then the other uh, sausage that we have on our menu, which is uh, actually at Liberty, it's not at Black Iron, is the maple blueberry. And two, two different opposing styles at both restaurants. Uh, Liberty Barbecue is full service, so you have sit-down service and you have a wait staff that waits on you. Uh, that actually allows us to do two things. One, we have a full bar, right? So there's that. <laughs> and, two, and two, we actually, uh, because it's full service, we can have a little bit more leverage with our menu as opposed to a market-style or live service. Uh, that we have at Black Iron. Now, also with sausage, I like to do things strangely because I'm kind of a weird guy. Sausage making, right, is just like baking. If you understand the principles and the weights and the measures, and it is, and you really do need to understand that because there's a basic framework on how you handle the salt, the fats, and the proteins, right? That's your framework. If you understand that and you handle things correctly and your weights or measurements are correctly, then you can make anything. So what I do is I explode, I think about a recipe, and then I explode it, and then I put it back together 
can of two. So <laughs> I have made so I have made thus far successfully and deliciously the following sausage. Mac and cheese sausage. Yes, it has macaroni and cheese. Vietnamese shaken beef sausage. Korean bulgogi <laughs> sausage. Right? Uh bacon jam cheeseburger sausage. And now we're talking that it has every element, all of those sausages have every element of a composed dish. So with the Korean bulgogi, I smoked the kimchi. And I wow. the rice. And it's in there. Right? With the bacon jam cheeseburger sausage, I smoked the brioche buns. And I smoked hamburger eggs. And they're studded into the mix. Wow. So, yes. So I think of I think of uh, sausage making as an art form because it is an art form. It's one of the backbone items that the Bavarians started making here in Texas. You can trace the lineage of just your classic humble Texas hotbed sausage all the way back to Germany. So I kind of think of it in that context. But I kind of think of it as a blank canvas. So sausage is a blank canvas, and you can do anything with it. Yeah, but anyway, that's, that's kind of what I'm doing at both restaurants, and that really inspires me. It inspires me to, to make new products, and it inspires me to, to please the customers, and it inspires me to uh, really wow the customers over, because I guarantee I'm making things that people have neither heard or seen before. Yeah, some of those sausages sound absolutely amazing. Um, okay, so are, are you cooking in, in one central location and then sending the meat out to Liberty, or do you actually run pits at, at both restaurants? Yes, that's correct. We run, uh, we run uh, equipment at both restaurants. So we have a full pit, uh, a full pit crew and a full accompanying staff behind, right? Uh, at both restaurants. So both restaurants, as mentioned earlier, uh, we use a big Bewley pit. That is a, um, a pit made by Bewley in Garland, Texas. It's a it's a rack system pit. It is offset. Uh, it will hold 80 brisket. And wow. then we also run at both restaurants that those same type pits. We run a Bewley at both restaurants, and we both run 500-gallon offset pits at both restaurants. At Liberty, our 500-gallon pit is made by Backline Fabricators out of Dripping Springs. And Brotherton's Black Iron Barbecue, our 500-gallon pit is made by Sunny Boat. So both restaurants have a, uh, a full accompaniment of uh, uh, appropriate equipment with staff to, to maintain it. Yeah, right. Wow, okay. And so... Tell me a bit about these these Bewley pits. You said that they're that they're offset. Um, when I was in, uh, where was I? Um, oh, mental blank. Jill Jill Burgess. I was speaking to Jill Burgess. Um, her her restaurant. She was telling me that that that, that they run a Bewley. And when I saw it, it almost looked like a cabinet. But then you were saying um, and an offset. Could you tell us a bit more about the uh, about your Bewley? Yeah, well, Bewley is kind of a, uh, Bewley's history, and don't ask me how, but I know their history, their company history is intertwined with J&R uh, and Euler and Southern Pride. They're all made up in the Dallas area. They all kind of have intertwined history. But the Bewley, uh, to your point, is 
just a big, giant, insulated box. Every square inch of it is highly insulated, even the doors, right? So it looks like a big, giant, square box, but it's still an offset fit, just like uh, a Moberg or a middle scale, right? But the, the difference is, is that the Beauty is a rack system. So it has three racks, three racks up, and then the heat from the firebox goes out to the top of, of the firebox and then goes across and then down to the stack, right? Because of the way it operates, it, there's a 25 degree variant between the bottom rack to the top rack. And that's okay because generally speaking, you'll want to start cooler and fish hotter anyway, right? Fully loaded, if you were to operate on all three racks, you could fit 80 briskets inside this, right? That's how big ours, right? There is one piece of automation on it, and that is the thermostatic control. Now, it's not gas fired. There's no gas in it, so don't think of it like a Southern Pride. Uh, think of it like a boiler in the respect that there is still a live fire inside that firebox. The difference is, is there's actually a thermocouple. There's a box, there's a dial on the other end, zero to 10. That corresponds not with a temperature, just a thermocouple. So you still need to learn to dance with this pit, much like you would any other pit. But once you understand its parameters and what it likes and what it doesn't like and where the hot spots are or not, then once you set that controller, it will open and close, right? If you have a temperature spike, it shuts, it shut. Less air means less fire, so it'll moderate that. But it's not throwing dirty smoke because there's still air pulling around a slight gap in the door. What it does do, because of its capacity, because it's highly insulated, and because it does have a thermostatic control on it, is you, from a restaurant standpoint, you eliminate certain pieces of your overhead, right? Such as labor. You got to think about that when you're in a restaurant, your labor costs, because that affects your eventual food costs that you pass on to your customers. Another thing that it does is it also helps affect your capital expenses. And one of the major capital expenses within a restaurant, specifically barbecue, is wood. Uh, a cord of post oak right now is about $350 US for one cord, right? Wow. At style, I'll give you some reference. At Style Switch, when we were running 24 hours a day, six days a week, we were burning three and a half to four cords of wood a week. And then uh, here, we're only burning maybe a quarter and a half a week. So you can see what that does to your capital expenses right off the get-go, yeah? Another couple of uh, interesting things about the Beauty is because it's so highly insulated, it radiates heat inward, right? Whereas an offset pit in the traditional manner, perhaps made out of a propane tank like a Moberg, because it's not insulated, it radiates heat outward, right? So there's a little bit of a difference there. Uh, I can achieve a greater smoke level in the Beauty because I can't operate it at very low temperature, efficiently, right? Without throwing dirty smoke, right? So what that means for a brisket is that my smoke level is going to be much more intense. 
much more intense on the view as well. So that's an added benefit if you're thinking about brisket in respect to color and smoke level. So, yeah, that's the beauty. There are people that it's not as well-known tent as some of the others, like a JNR or an oiler. And to be honest with you, I've never used the beauty prior to hiring on here. And that's the tip I use to smoke all of my sausage on because I can operate that rascal down in the weeds almost in the cold smoke territory. Efficient. Uh, so that's a huge benefit. Yeah, they're, they're really nice tips. And I don't know if you know uh, uh, Mauro Chifani. Uh, his name is uh, Max, a.k.a. Texacana Barbecue. Oh, okay. Uh, he's a really, yeah, he's a really nice guy. Uh, Texacana Barbecue. Uh, currently, he's in Cairo, Egypt, uh, heading up uh, heading up that Texas barbecue program with uh, over there. I think it's called Longhorn Barbecue. But anyway, really? Max, last, yeah, uh, last, Max last summer uh, came here and did a really nice video on the attributes and uh, and uh, and whatnot of the beauty. So if you look up Texacana Barbecue and and look up Beauty Pit within within that subset on YouTube, you'll see Max's review uh, and and whatnot on the beauty. It's really quite quite fascinating. He, he did a good job on it. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnett. Alrighty, Bill. So now we're in the uh, in the third part of the show, and this is the segment where our guest gives a bit of a lesson for the viewers and the listeners. And also, this is the point in time for the for the current viewers on the uh, on our live recording session with us today to start putting those questions in the comments. So if you are in the Facebook group now and, and you're joining us live for this uh, recording session, now's the time to start putting your questions in. So, Bill, over to you, my friend. I believe you're you're going to tell us a bit about restaurant operations and sausage making. Boy, ain't that ain't that something? And it's, it's a very tight, narrow margin with uh, in respect to barbecue. We know that brisket is not our friend, <laughs> but our average loss uh, is about forty percent on each brisket. Uh, so, with that being said, uh, and that's basically because of the way that the briskets we know they shrink, we trim them up. So, we have to think about other ways to, to think about the scrap. Uh, as far as as far as restaurant operations are concerned, right now, our biggest challenge right now is not just labor, because there actually is a labor shortage right now. That's a really? weird paradox. Yeah, there is. We have a hard time finding anybody right now. So, so there's that. But let's put that aside. A big thing right now is brisket prices. Brisket prices right now are about 49 cents U.S. above where they were this time last year. So last week. USB, yeah, last week. Wow. And the USB, yeah, the USDA is telling us that, that it, it's because of, of the way there's different market forces. And I could quit bore you to tears with that, but a lot, a lot of the, the packing houses are not operating at full capacity right now. I know that there's a big packing house up in Guyman, Oklahoma, that usually runs about 1,500 heads a cattle per hour, right? And they're only running at about one and a half shifts, right? So what's that take? So they themselves are having some labor issues as 
well, and supply issues, so that all kind of puts uh, a, a, a damper on the market. Uh, right now, we're using USDA Prime. That's what we always use is USDA Prime. We just find the uh, marbling that runs through the brisket. Uh, we feel like that it has a better uniformity of product, which is important. Uh, so yeah, right now it is uh, it is what it is. You, you just kind of roll with the punches with respect to prices and costs and things of that nature. As far as sausage is concerned, and that's always been something that's been important uh, with Central Texas Barbecue, is trying to find a way to uh, utilize uh, the trim that you pay for. You pay for it. You better find some way to utilize it, right? So. If you don't, you're not going to be in business very long. And that's the way it's always been, right? Even with those school fairs, you've got to figure out a way to capture those costs. And that's where sausage comes into play. So I, I try to capture every, every good scrap that I can. So a lot of that trim that comes off the brisket, and we do what's called a block trim. So we're reducing the tail on the brisket to eliminate any, uh, any thin spots, right? Uh, as well as eliminating uh, some of that tail that kind of pulls moisture away from the point. So we shorten the flat, we reduce the pectoral hump, and then we trim out the deck. That's called a block trim. And average trim on each brisket here is usually about two to three pounds per brisket. Uh, I, I reserve, I do not reserve the fat cap on the brisket, but I do reserve the deckle fat. Uh, I use the deckle fat in my sausage production. We also use the deckle fat. We render it down uh, for other restaurant purposes. It's good for anything that you might uh, want to fat for. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Uh, but yeah, back to sausage production. We're, like I mentioned, we're, uh, we are in the stages of building out about an 800 square foot uh, facility over at Black Iron Barbecue to uh, really uh, uh, expound upon and expand the autosis program itself because what we want to do is uh, really kind of help out different restaurants and uh, if someone wants something custom formulated we can do that uh, if a retail customer ends up wanting something we can do that uh, as well as for both of our restaurants so that's something that we're looking at and building out the new uh, the, the, the new facility is going to help uh, manage that but yeah yeah, that's so good. What was the name of that um, uh, brisket-style trim that you were talking about? Block, was it? Well, in, in the industry, it's called a block trim. So, B L O C K. Yeah, just like a B L O C K. Yes, sir. So, what you're doing is you're reducing the uh, tail on that brisket. So you have a packer brisket, and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to avoid any sharp corners or sharp edges, right? Uh, because heat is attracted to those thin spots, right? And those thin spots are not going to cook at the same rate as the rest of the brisket, which means that you will draw moisture away from that particular piece of meat. So what we're trying to do is reduce those thin spots on that flat, right? Generally speaking, that is that area to the rear of the pectoral hump. If you follow that pectoral hump down towards the flat, you'll notice that's a really thin spot down there. If we're going to thin that out and shape the brisket to where it will not have any sharp corners on that flat, then we're usually ending up with a chunk about that. That's going to be hit my fingers. 
But anyway, we're ending up with a pretty good chunk of meat that's being removed off that plant. And then as we're shaping the bridges, we want to make it kind of, so coin a phrase, aerodynamic, and reduce any, again, sharp, uh, sharp uh, edges that draw moisture away. And we're also trying to trim out as much of that fat off the fat pad, which is about down to a quarter of an inch. So we're going to shave off that pectoral hump, reduce our fat cap to a quarter of an inch, and then flip it over and remove that decal. Not going to remove all the decal, but we're going to remove a majority of that decal. And we're shaping the bridge. No sharp corners, no sharp edges. And like as I mentioned, I usually about a two to three pound long on each brisket, irrespective of how much you're going to shrink inside the pit. So at three dollars and thirty-four cents a pound right now for USDA fry, and we're averaging a forty percent loss, I kind of want to sell more chicken and sausage for this. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. Now, you, you said that you like to reuse the decal fat, but you discard the, the fat cap. How is the fat different between those two different parts of the brisket? Well, the thing about it is, the, the funny thing with fat, right? I can lay out in this order, chicken on this table right now, and subject the fat to this ambient temperature, right? I can lay out chicken fat in this order. Chicken fat, the fat cap on a, on a pork butt, the fat cap on a brisket, and then deckle fat, and just walk away for an hour. And you will notice that in the order that I described, that each fat is going to react to the ambient temperature differently because they have different emulsification rates, right? Each fat, right, has a different melt rate. That emulsification rate means melt rate, right? And each fat performs different. The deckle fat is going to be the most dense, and it's going to be thereby the hardest, which means that it will have a higher melting point, right? As, as because it has a higher melting point, then it has a higher smoke level as well. You'll hear a lot of people say that the deco fat is not good for anything. Well, that would be grossly incorrect. The deco fat, because that it does a high, have a higher melt rate and a higher smoke rate, I can run it through this grinder right here, that deco fat, and put it on the pit, uncovered, let the smoke get to it or cover it, whichever your preference is, and render it in the pit, right? And you can use that rendered deckle fat as tallow, right, to wrap your briskets. You can also use that rendered brisket fat for ingredient items, anywhere that you want to have uh, fat as a component, right? Uh, we have made a brisket fat snickerdoodle cookie. Ooh, right? hoo, hoo, hoo. We, we have made, we have turned the rendered decal fat into rendered smoke brisket fat hot sauce for chicken wings, right? So when any fat is, is good for any type of ingredient purpose, if you render it, think about like what traditional uh, Jewish shellacadets, what's the classic thing there? Small. What is small? It's rendered chicken fat, right? Fat is where it's at, fat sleep. So don't let anybody tell you that fat's bad or, or it's not good. Specifically, that deckle fat. That deckle fat is sleep with gold, man. It, it is gold. Uh, I'll tell you what we do at the restaurant here at Liberty is we smoke uh, every Wednesday. We uh, smoke ribeye steaks to bed rare on the pit. 
And then we steer them on the plant top and render brisket tallow, which is the rendered deckle tallow. Look, all right, that's probably about a good point for us to start to wrap up this interview. So I'm going to throw the studio over to you now. Give some thanks, give some praise, give some shout-outs to people that have helped you along the way and tell everybody where they can follow you on the social media. Yeah, man, uh, for sure. I, 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 first of all, Ben, thank you very much for, for having me on here. I know I have a tendency to ramble. I like to talk. <laughs> so thank you, for, thank you for allowing me to come on your program. I hope you had fun as well. So first and foremost, thank you, thank you, thank you. But as far as uh, folks in the industry, I can't thank enough the good folks over at Smoky Denmark Smoke Meat. Uh, those were great people. Uh, I, they really helped me. They gave me a really good start over there. As well as uh, Shane Styles and Lance Kirkpatrick Styles, which great people. Uh, really gave me a good good start commercially uh, in a high volume restaurant. Uh, which is a good thing. As far as down there in, in Australia, Lance Rosen, Jason Lento, David Ong, you, you guys know who you are down there. Y'all, y'all are great people. And I'll, I'll go on a limb and say this, that every Aussie that, I, that I've met, and you guys are also, I think you guys are displaced Texas. It's that same independent spirit. It's that same warmth and that same hospitality. I love, I love you guys. Y'all are great. All righty, and we, we love you too, mate. So just make sure that you do tell us as well where we can uh, follow you on social media. Yes, sir. Uh, on, uh, <laughs> on Instagram, this is going to be a crazy one, all right? So Instagram, look for me. My handle is Sausage Sensei. <laughs> sausage right? Sensei, okay. So Sausage Sensei on Instagram, okay? Now, on Facebook, I'm just good old me. I'm just good old Bill Dooner. You can look me up there. Uh, same way on Twitter. So, pretty, pretty easy to find. I'm, I'm readily accessible, readily available. I like to answer questions. So, if there's anybody that uh, didn't have a question answered this evening, uh, hit me up uh, via Facebook Messenger. You can find me, Bill Dooner, uh, Facebook Messenger, and hit me up. I'm an open book. And I will help you out as much as I can. That's uh, how I roll. Beautiful, mate. So good. All right, look, thank you very much for your time. Um, I realize that uh, it must be about 6 or 7 p.m. on a Thursday night there for you. So we're in the middle of, uh, of, of dinner service, and you've managed to take an hour, more than an hour now out of your time to talk to me. So I, I really do appreciate that. Um, thanks very much, and best of luck with everything at both Brotherton's and Liberty. Yeah, thank you very much, Ben, once again. And, yep. Give me a yell sometime if you need anything, all right? All righty, there you have it, folks. That was Bill Dumas from both Brotherton's and Liberty Barbecue. How educational was that? That guy knows so much about Texas barbecue, and that was a real treat for us as well to be able to get in there. And like I said, it's dinner service time in his restaurant over there. So, uh, you know, for us to be able to have this time with him, uh, that that was something super special for us. And I do look forward to, to seeing him again next time I'm in the States. And, mate, if you're watching this later on, make sure you do send me a text message with what beer you want, and I'll make sure that I get that to you. <laughs> and I'll make sure I deliver it in person this time. Um, okay, so that's about it for today. Some quick reminders. Do grab your, your hoodies and your beanies from our shop, smokingonconfessions.com slash shop. It is cold now. It is wintertime now. So you are going to need those beautiful warm gear to keep you nice and toasty while you're outside tending the fires. 
BarbieCon is coming very soon, a two-day conference all about barbecue. It's going to be virtual. We're going to be jumping into different people's backyards and beaming that straight into your lounge room, so you'll be able to enjoy that. If you're at the start of your journey, it's the Beginner's Barbecue Guide. Uh, the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. It'd be good if I could get the name right. The Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue over on the SmokingHotConfessions.com website. Check that out completely free. And also, do come join us at the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook. It's the nicest little corner of the internet. We all just hang out, talk barbecue. It's very open. It's very inclusive. Everybody's welcome. And we hope to see you there. And if you are listening, please do give us all the uh, all the thumbs up and the shares and the likes and the comments on the socials. It's super helpful, um, particularly on YouTube at the moment. We are focusing on growing our YouTube channel. So if you can give us a thumbs up and a subscribe over there, that'd be fantastic. And a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts as well would go a long way to help us out. And that is about all that I have for you today. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. Confessions.